All right, let's get out of the zone phone. Uh, he works uh, the television broadcast for the L.A. Clippers. He is Brian Seaman with us here on The Big Show. Brian, thanks for a few minutes. How you doing? I'm doing great, boys. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing great. Uh, we're, we're Gordon and I were just talking about how the, the Clippers finished off the Mavs in, in grand fashion and seem, uh, man, that, that fourth quarter was uh, about as good as you can play. They seem like they're playing really well. I, for one, did not feel bad for the Mavs. Um, <laughs> I'd say that in just uh, – I'll tell you what, man. Uh, before we talk Clippers, Luka Doncic is unbelievable. And at 22 years old, I mean, you're putting him up there in, as a top five player in the league. He's only going to get better. And he was a scare. Um, and they had all the tools to get it done on, on Sunday. Uh, but the Clippers finally were able to find their shooting touch. That had been missing all throughout the series. And, you know, players that I think are going to be difference makers and, and how far they go started knocking down shots. So it was a great win for the Clippers. And we get a, a fun rematch from uh, 2017. Uh, I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't hoping for different results than what we saw four years ago. But it will be. I think it could go the distance and it would be a coin flip uh, at the finish line. So I have great respect for Utah and how their coach with Quinn Snyder. It's going to be a great series. I think both Jake and I think the Clippers are really good. Could you explain to us why this team, what are the indicators other than missed shots when this team doesn't perform the way we kind of think it always should? You know, I think it's hard to tell. You know, to be honest, I think the last 20 games or so, we never really had the full roster. Um, whether and, and I don't think there was any major injuries. It was just, you know, resting here, a turned ankle there. So I think they're still trying to find their groove. The, the, you know, the make-miss league thing is an unfortunate true statement, and I think it will be a true statement in this series for both teams who get most of their offense from outside the painted area. But indicators for me, you know, if we take away that, that make-miss league stuff, is how well they defend. And I know Utah is going to bring it every night. I think the Clippers found that gear that they need to defend with uh, against the Mavericks. I'm not saying they didn't have that idea going in, but they found it. And I thought they did a great job, as, as good of a job as you can do on a one-man wrecking crew that is Luka Doncic. He was able to get his teammates involved. Um, but the defensive energy and communication, and, and, and to be honest, I never thought I would say this, the game plan. And I'm not one to break down film and say, well, they should have done this or that. But it was very obvious the Clippers were thinking their way through those first two games to the point where Ty Lue said, I'm going, we're going to take several steps back. We're going to downshift and make the defensive plan as simple as we can against Luka and the Mavs. And after that, the Clippers went 4-1 the rest of the way in the series. So finding the, the appropriate game plan, and they'll have some some problematic situations to deal with, like with Rudy Gobert and, of course, Donovan Mitchell and the great shooters that are around it. But to me, the energy and the execution defensively may help them overcome a bad shooting night. So a big theme this year for the Jazz, Brian, is responding to giving up a 3-1 advantage in a playoff series in the bubble to Denver. And uh, the players bring it up often, how that was a, a real kind of a, a, a melding point for them where they came together as a team and said, we're not going to let this happen to us again. And, you know, we've seen them go on and have the best regular season record in the league. And it's been a kind of a central motivating point. The Clippers did the same thing in the next round of the very same Nuggets team, which is just madness. But how have, how have the Clippers responded to that very same scenario? 
I actually forgot what happened after game four with that series. I don't know if I blanked out or, or <laughs> in fact, the last time I remember Utah was up three games to one and I forgot what happened at the end of that series. No, um, I, you know, they came back and the thing with the Clippers that I think is different. I think a lot of people want to write the narrative for the Clippers and that goes across the country. It's a good thing to be in the headlines, but I think a lot of people want to make it, you know, something different than what the actual reality could be. So they came into this year and, you know, Pat Beverly was asked, and I thought it was really a, a great answer. He was asked, uh, you know, how long did it take him to get over it? And this was December, so this has been over three months. And he took about four seconds, five seconds to answer the question. And he didn't answer anything. And he said, you know what, I haven't. And I, I think people like Pat Beverly hold on to that angst. I think it's a great thing. I think I look at a, a guy like Kawhi Leonard, who literally just deletes, you know, and moves on. It's, 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 it's a non-factor for his performance. You know, but I think they, they were galvanized by it. I think they knew that, you know, the regular season does matter in getting everybody on the right page and finding a chemistry. And, you know, the Clippers had some ups and downs with availability this year. And again, like I said, nothing serious, but it allowed other players to play and find a rhythm. Guys like Reggie Jackson, who was a buyout guy a year ago. He was out of the rotation after 10 games, literally told so hey, you're not going to play, but stay ready. And then an injury happened, he gets in there. And so they have found a chemistry that they did not have last year. And I think that's been the big thing that I think we're all looking forward to. We saw it in adverse times against Dallas, down not only 0-2 in the series, but trailing 30-11 to in that game three. I don't think they win that game last year. There's just not enough chemistry. The chemistry, the, the trust, and the connection that these guys have this year, to me, is what separates them from the team a year ago. Brian, you mentioned uh, Rudy and Donovan. Is there a pl- what player on the Jazz worries you as a as a Clippers guy the most? Well, the obvious guys are the ones you mentioned, but let's not forget Joe Ingles, who does a great job defending Paul George. You've got Jordan Clarkson, who's nuclear. You've got uh, you know Bogdanovich, who I love. I thought that was a huge pickup a couple of years ago. And another guy, Mike Cotton. I mean, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm good friends with. Uh, some people over uh, with the Jazz. And, and when the Clippers got Kawhi and, and PG, you guys were doing what you guys did with all those players I just named. And I thought, man, this is a conference finals matchup. These two teams could absolutely meet. We were kind of joking around about it. I still feel that way. Unfortunately, we're going to be meeting in the second round. I love the roster, and everyone scares me. Mike Conley's a Clipper killer. We've known Mike Conley for over 10 years, you know, with our former rivalry with the um, the Memphis Grizzlies. You know, uh, Jordan Clarkson is a guy that can put up, you know, 40 points off the bench. So who scares me the most? They all do because the one thing that they all have, those players in common, is their coach, Quinn Snyder, who I personally think is a top three, and that's conservative, on the sideline in the NBA with the clipboard coming out of a timeout. You give him too much time to prepare for you, you're going to have problems. And, and I feel the same way about Ty Lue, though. I think Ty's a great coach, too. Um, so, I mean, like I said, I mentioned at the start of the show, I mean, I, I have nothing but respect. The key for everybody, obviously, is can they, can they find ways to score with Rudy or can they find a small ball lineup that maybe makes Rudy less relevant uh, than he is every day? That'll be the key for the Clippers, I think, in the series. What's it like to color, uh, cover Kawhi Leonard on a daily basis? Um. Uh, it's, it's interesting. You know, you learn that you're not going to be given, you know, so the, the juxtaposition is um, we'll use Doc Rivers as the coach last year to Ka- Ka- Kawhi Leonard because I didn't have any access uh, this year to players because of our circumstances. And, 
you talk to Doc and you ask him a simple question and he'll find a funny story or a great story that relates to what you're trying to do. You ask Kawhi a similar question. It's, it's literally, it's just black and white. And I think he, it's off-putting to some, but I think that's just who he is. He is just a focused person. I do not think he's a, a jerk. Um, I think that can look that way from the outsider's perspective. I just think he's just locked in and he's just a quiet guy that wants to go about his business uh, every once in a while, you'll get a good little comment about another player, and you'll see some rare emotion. And by emotion with Kawhi, I mean he might smile. Um, but after that, you're going to get a guy that can do what he did in this series, which was play as good as I've ever seen anybody, certainly in a Clipper uniform, but uh, from both sides of the basketball, Kawhi was just unbelievable. So it's fun to watch him on the floor. Uh, he is a machine. I really believe that there are some computer parts floating around in there. He just gets the job done. And I just feel like you always have a chance to win when he is playing. So if he's the leader in what he does on the court, who's the emotional leader of that team? Pat Beverly is the emotional leader. And I know we didn't see Pat's name all that much in the first round, but he's the guy that gets everybody going, gets them on the same page. You know, I think he and Avisa Zubac, who is our center, they're good bookends defensively. I think we'll see Pat a lot more in this series than we did against uh, Dallas. So that Pat is the emotional guy. Uh, Rajon Rondo is another leader that they have brought in that can help organize and have a real voice in that locker room because he's been there and done that a few times. So I think it's done more by committee. Kawhi is your best player. He leads by example. But you do have voices and emotional leaders that I think have helped the success for this team this year. I was surprised by the Rondo, uh, Lou Williams move. Has that made the Clippers better? It's made them infinitely better, and that's no slight to Lou Williams at all. Again, uh, there's no – just because you build up a player doesn't mean you're tearing one down. Lou was the guy that was at the end of his contract with the Clippers. I don't think that they were going to pick him up next year, but a lot of the culture changes that we had over the last few years, really don't, dating back to that end of Game 7 of the Utah series, Lou Williams was traded for uh, that summer, and he helped restore a, a, a winning culture. And it's because of Lou's work, Pat's work, that you had guys like Kawhi Leonard and uh, Paul George interested in becoming a Clipper. So when you acquire a guy like Rondo, he comes right in. He knows most of your plays as is, but he just orchestrates things, and he's got a vision that few people ever have possessed. And it's just been awesome. He's a playmaker, somewhat muted towards the end of the, the Dallas series. He just wasn't able to find his shot, but he can knock it down. But He's a playmaker like I don't think we've had since Chris Paul, and he's a lot of fun to watch when he's on your team. I know that he can be an irritant, which is, I think, a good thing uh, when he's going up against your team, but Rondo has made a world of difference, especially with that second unit. And then sometimes he'll be meshing into that, that first unit and might be out there to close ball games. I know that Ty Lue feels very comfortable with that as well. Brian, obviously the Jazz here in this community are front and center all the time. I wonder sometimes about the Clippers, uh, and maybe the pandemic, it's hard to tell the progress the Clippers have made as far as market share down there in L.A. Uh, are the Clippers making inroads and, and sort of chipping away at the basketball fan bases down there, or is it a Lakers town and that's just the way it's going to be? It's a Lakers town. It'll probably be that way in, in t- until I'm retired, which I hope is not very soon, but what they are getting, though, is respect, and that was something that was never there. Uh, really, even when we had that Lob City era, you know, our previous owner was not credible. He was not uh, a good human being, and he, we just never made the right decision. And now when Steve Ballmer came in in 2014, 
if we're being honest, I mean, to me, that's the day one of the organization. And everything they've done from that moment, they've done it the right way, not only just on the floor, but within the community, the support that he gives, you know, the outlying areas of rec centers and, and you know, underprivileged kids. But they started to, to, to build respect, not only there, but on the floor. I think the front office does as good of a job as you could do these last few years, led by Lawrence Frank. But at the end of the day, I mean, look, we can talk about, you know, being part of the community and supporting certain areas, but until you win titles with an S, I mean, it's just going to be in vain. And I think everyone knows that. I will say this. I don't believe becoming LA's team is the goal for this club. It's just about winning as many championships as you can. And they have that window right now. And I think that's what everybody's focused on. And, and down the road, maybe things change, but, you got to give credit to the Lakers. I mean, they have had sustained excellence for a handful of decades. They deserve all the love and attention they get. The Clippers are trying to maybe chip away at that, but the only way it works, the only way it works is if you win multiple titles and you are in the conversation more times than not. And they are in the conversation now, and now they got to figure out a way to win three more rounds. You know, the X-Factor question is such a cliche, but is there a player uh, outside of the big guns that uh, when he's playing well, usually the team's playing well? And the, the real uh, bellwether to me is Marcus Morris Sr. Uh, he's a guy that during the regular season, when he hit two or more threes, the Clippers were 32-9. and nine. When he didn't, they were 6-10. and 10. And, you know, he had a great game seven, big reason why. The other guy I'd pay attention to if I'm a Jazz fan, trying to figure out how this series could go would be, Terrence Mann, and he's not a guy that his numbers are going to jump off the page, but he brings a ton of energy. It wouldn't surprise me to see him trying to slow down Jordan Clarkson, and Jordan's a great ability to score. Uh, Terrence plays with such great energy. It's contagious. But those are the two guys outside of the big boys that you're talking about that could be X-factors. You know, but you've got your starters like Reggie Jackson that has poured in back-to-back 20-point games for the Clippers when they were facing elimination in a game seven. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that are going on. But those are the two guys that, that jump out to me when you ask that question and when I was looking at stuff that could really be a difference maker. They need Marcus Morris to score. I really believe that if he can get his – just his averages, I think that just lightens the load for Kawhi and PGs that much more. Brian, you mentioned the uh, three-point shooting with uh, both the Jazz and the Clippers. How is uh, how has that evolved with the Clippers? Uh, did Ty Lue does he stress that a lot? I mean, I was I've been impressed with the ball movement and the shooting, and I know it always isn't that way, but it it looks pretty good when it's working. It does. It's a beauty uh, to watch. Yeah, ball movement was key, and and they knew that they were going to have. You know, remember we started the season with Serge Ibaka. I don't know his health situation for this upcoming series, but when we had Serge starting that, you know, in the starting five at the start of the season, he had five players that could hit the three-point shot at 37% or better, and that was a an effort for the Clippers to move the ball and find the shooters, and now they, you know, they went small with Nicholas Batum in that, in that uh, series with the Mavericks, and Batum was terrific, and he can hit the three just like anybody else, so Ball movement is key. When you go up against a great defense like Utah, you've got to try to get them moving from side to side and swing that ball. Uh, you've got to try and find a way to loosen that up, and that's what ball movement can do for the Clippers. They were able to attack on the interior against Dallas because they don't have rim protection. That's the opposite story 
obviously, when you go up against Utah. So the Clippers are going to have to figure out a way to move that ball to find the open shooters. Brian, do you expect Rudy Gobert to be able to score uh, uh, maybe above his average against the Clippers, or do you not think it's going to work out that way? It's a great question, uh, and I don't have an answer for you because you know there were times during the Dallas series where the Clippers wanted Luka to score. They wanted him to do that. Um, if you're... You know, if you look at a year ago, let's go back a year ago when Evita Zubats was our starter. Zoo ended up being our starter for the Clippers at the end of the season. But Zoo and Rudy, and I thought Zoo did a great job of holding his own against Rudy. They didn't. The series this year is is kind of all over the place. So there's really no barometer to kind of look at it. But we know, at least I do. You know, Rudy is, and I love Donovan Mitchell, but Rudy's the most important player for Utah. I think I think Jazz fans would agree with that. So is there a way to neutralize them? I don't think it's his scoring to me that is so grand. It's just all the other stuff. He's he's a superstar and a film room all-star in one, which you don't necessarily see. You know, Joe Ingles is a film room all-star. Rosa Neal is a film room all-star. But you've got a guy in Rudy Gobert that's an all-star legitimately and always in, in the conversation for postseason awards. How can they how can they neutralize him if it's possible? The only telltale thing that you can look at with this series was the final quarter that they both played in, in February uh, here at Staples Center where the Clippers went small in the final quarter, and it kind of really it, it did neutralize Rudy, and the Clippers were able to really pull away in that victory. I don't know if they can go to it for a full series and find success because you know Quinn Snyder's going to find ways around it, but uh, I, Rudy's scoring to me isn't what scares me. It's all of the other stuff that he gets open shots for Royce O'Neal and for Donovan Mitchell and how he and Mike Conley you know, run the pick and roll together and how they free up everybody else. Rudy's a special player. You guys already know that. And uh, I'm sure he's been keeping the Clipper coaching staff up late at night here the last couple of nights. Well, Brian, thank you very much for jumping on with us. We really appreciate the insight. And let's help we're in for a really good series. I feel that we are. Boys, enjoy it. Like I said, I'd be lying to you if I wanted a, if I didn't want a, a different result from what we saw four years ago. But either <laughs> way, it'll be a good one. Have a good one, guys. You too, Brian. Thank you very much. Uh, that's Brian Seaman. He is the uh, television voice of the Los Angeles Clippers, giving us a little perspective on this uh, on this series. Right here on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.